The following podcast is sponsored by the Hood College Gear Shop. The Gear Shop replaces the old Hood College bookstore. Most of us remember the bookstore as the place where we bought or rented books. Well, that's not the case anymore. The Hood College Gear Shop is a great place to buy all kinds of things. Need some Hood branded merch? You'll find hoodies and t-shirts, hats and scarves, sweats and socks, mugs and cups. They even have Hood branded blankets. Low on shampoo or soap? They have you covered. Bad breath before class? Buy some gum or Tic Tac. Need a pen, highlighter, or notebook? The gear shop has tons. Does your roommate have a dog? Buy them a Hood College leash or collar. Need some Advil or Tums? The gear shop has your back. Do you need a last minute birthday gift for a friend? You'll find plenty of options. What I'm saying is the Hood College gear shop has you covered for all your gift, school, snack, and blazer branded clothing needs. Mention my name, Ellie Cooper, and the name of this podcast, Think Pink, to receive 10% off your purchase of any Hood branded merch. But listen to the show first. Hello, and welcome to Think Pink, a brand new podcast where I talk about all things that emanate pink. Whether that be something that's considered feminine or otherwise, we'll be covering it all. I'm your host, Ellie Cooper, and I look forward to sharing my interests with you and my guests. While this podcast totally serves me more than you, I hope you can find some elements that are relatable and interesting. Maybe you come to find out you're more feminine than you realized. Or maybe you want to learn more about the female perspective... Or maybe your girlfriend tricked you into listening to this podcast. If so, stick around. Maybe you'll learn something. And with that, let's think pink. For this episode, we're switching it up again with a new angle. I'm looking to see if gender has anything to do with sports. Basically, I just want to see if a girl can play a guy's sport and vice versa. Because when you think about it, it really feels like sports are very gendered. However, Everyone seems to enjoy them for one reason or another. I want to see if there are any differences between sportsmanship or competitiveness, relationships with teammates inside and outside of the sport, and more. Additionally, we're going to talk about the integration of women's sports in Hood College, because that is where I go to school. Because I want to know if the addition of sports in a small liberal arts college had anything to do with budgeting or income. Because I know that Hood became co-ed officially in 2003, allowing men to live on campus for monetary gain. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Who knows? Maybe it's a little bit of just interest in sports and maybe it's a little bit of interest in income. I wouldn't be mad. You know, you got to make your money. So how this episode will be laid out is I will go into some more technical details about female athletes and women in sports compared to men. First, there is not a lot of research um, to determine the effect that uh, athleticism and extracurricular activities have on women long-term. Because there's an underrepresentation of female athletes in sports research, um, it's harder to draw conclusions with this lack of evidence. I was reading an article from the European Heart Journal, which is from the Oxford Academic website. The journal article's title is The Underrepresentation of Female Athletes in Sports Research, Considerations for Cardiovascular Health. So essentially, the article kind of just goes into detail about how there is not enough research uh, focused on the study of women's cardiovascular health in regards to athleticism and extracurriculars. So really, the study kind of just draws attention to the need for more studies to be done with women because 
this is an issue not only in the medical field, but all sorts of different fields that have to do with research and experiments, especially with the human body. So I know this is a little bit off topic, but for test dummies, they are pretty much exclusively male unless the test that they're doing is only performed on women or only happens to women. Um, Otherwise, the test dummy will be a male by default. So for crash tests with automobiles, the test dummy is always a man. And because of this, women are 73% more likely than men to be seriously injured in a frontal car crash, almost twice as likely to become trapped in the wreckage of a car, and 17% more likely to die in a car crash. And this is just because we don't do enough research using a dummy of the female anatomy and instead we base a lot of our research solely on the physicality of the male test dummy. And while this is a scary statistic, it is definitely true that men drive more than women. Um, That's another statistic. But also, men are more likely to be killed in a car crash than women because of that. So just because of the rate at which, just because there's a higher quantity of men on the road than women doesn't mean that these women aren't more like, aren't more likely to suffer more serious injuries than a man, if that makes sense. And again, very off topic, but it made me think about this article that I wanted to talk about because I want to talk to my roommate to get their experience and their perspective on women in sports and if it differs at all just from what they've seen so my cutie roommate jordan jordan taylor um who is a sophomore this year and and an early education student and she is on the hood college women's swim team so i thought she would be a perfect person to talk to about this topic okay so today with me on episode four of think pink we're taking a new approach. We're getting into the, the sportsmanship of, of, of all female power. We're getting, in, we're getting into, I don't even know how to frame it. It's just, we're doing a podcast episode on women in sports. That's as simple as it is. Like, and how that should be okay, I guess. That's how I should frame it. So with me today, I have, I have a guest. I have a special guest who is my roommate, Miss Jordan. Would you like to introduce yourself? Ooh, hi, I'm Jordan. I'm on the swim team. I'm a sophomore. <laughs> yeah, I'm my roommate. Mm-hmm, I'm roommates. Yeah, and you're an athlete. I am mm-hmm. on the swim team. Yeah. I love it. So how long have you been swimming or doing sports? So I've been probably doing sports since I was five, but I started swimming when I was seven. Wow. Mm-hmm. What did you start with? I started with soccer. My mom was a huge soccer person. She played soccer all throughout her life, so she wanted me to play soccer, and that clearly didn't pan out, but we tried. Aww. (laughs) She wanted a little soccer baby. She did. She did. (laughs) She wanted to be a soccer mom. (laughs) Yeah, she did. (laughs) She was my coach, too, but then it just, you know, that's okay. Yeah, it didn't work out. (laughs) Now she's a fun little swim mom. That's really sweet. Mm. You like swimming? I love swimming. Yeah? It's really my passion like I just love being in the water it's like my free therapy I go in and all of my problems go away 
Oh, that's so nice. Mm-hmm. How'd you start? Um, so I started with, I was in swim lessons when I was like a baby. Like I started when I was two taking swim lessons. Um, and I was just really good at it, really excelled. And then I remember in first grade, I got a paper in class that was advertising the local swim club. And I was like, Mom, that sounds really cool. Like, I love swimming. Let's do it. So then we signed up for that summer. That's so fun. Mm-hmm. Did you also take swim lessons at the Y? Or where'd you go? No. So I took swim lessons at my community pool Aww. over the summer. Yeah. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. My mom, I remember being a baby. This is kind of off topic. And taking swim lessons. Like, mm-hmm. so that, you know, because moms are like, I don't want my baby to drown. Right, She's right. got to know how to swim. So I actually have, like, early memories of going to the Y and doing swim lessons. It was Mm -hmm. fun. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. And now I teach swim lessons, so it's, like, very full circle. Mm -hmm. Do you have little kitties? I do. My little babies. I love them. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's so Mm -hmm. fun. As a woman in sports, how do you think your experience differs from a male's just straight up? I feel like, honestly, it's just we may not get as much, like, representation. I feel like, like, especially growing up, a lot of it was centered around, like, the football team or the lacrosse team or the soccer team. Like, it was very much looking at those big guys and, wow, they're doing so amazing and not even realizing the fact that these women are also competing in amazing things like they're doing amazing they're winning state championships mm-hmm. and all this sort of stuff so I feel like it was a little bit more difficult um but I feel like a little bit as I've gotten into college it's gotten better per se just because I feel like the college at least tries their best to make sure that all sports are like heard mm-hmm. and publicized um they may not always have the resources to be able to publicize everything, but they definitely try their best to at least balance it, men's and women's. I agree, definitely. I think uh, colleges tend to do a better job of making sure that all athletes go to, like, the their colleges games like for all sports mm-hmm. as opposed to high schools where it feels like the turnouts are really only big for the football games and never the volleyball games, men right. or women's. Mm-hmm. It's like the sports that are associated with like women tend to not get the spotlight or get the same attention as like other sports like men's basketball or football. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And that's kind of why I'm a little happy and relieved that we do not have a football team because how embarrassing would that be? That would completely change the way that our school would run. Like, oh my gosh, I could not imagine. That would be a nightmare. Yeah. (laughs) So on that note about, um, I guess, our college and our teams, do you know when we actually started uh, encouraging students at Hood to participate in sports? Um, I don't really know exactly. I just know like our school has a big athletics culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently we almost always have. Because I believe in 1970, or not 19, 18, 1898. So in 1898, um, Hood College women were offered the opportunity to participate in the women's basketball team. And that was our first ever team. That's amazing. That's so cool. Right? Like the history. I had no idea. The school was full of it. No. And they also had little 
white blazers, which is why we're called blazers, mm-hmm. for the student athletes who did really well, and that's what they would be awarded at the end of the year, I believe. Yeah, after 1898, um, with student engagement growing in sports there was like you know more sports teams were added and then with the addition of men uh living on campus in 2003 i believe we became co-ed um the sports teams are ever more prevalent and i feel like that's kind of good because for student engagement part of that is kind of like not just taking care of like your academics going to your club meetings, but also, like, just going to sports games and having a good Mm -hmm. time. And I feel like anyone can enjoy that. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely a lot of fun. And even, like, in the current day, we really – it's so much fun to go out to all the games. Like, they really do a good job advertising them. Mm -hmm. And they do um, something called All Hood, All Blue, where a sports team will, like, call this if they um, have a big rivalry or something coming up. And then they um, ask that all athletes and all students go to this game to really go and support them. And there's really a big turnout, especially at those games. No, I've noticed that too. I love that we do that because Mm -hmm. I will sometimes go to a game just, you know, on the fly because I have nothing to do at the end of the day. And it's nice and it's fun to just hear everyone cheer the team on. But you really notice the turnout is huge when it's an all-blue game. Mm -hmm. Like the energy is just there. It's very vibrant. I really love it. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm really not like a sporty person, but I love watching games. Like being there, it's so different than watching it like on TV. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, we are only D3, but I love our teams. Yeah. That doesn't I mean think... we can't be competitive. No, not mm-hmm. at all. You know, I love a little competition. <laughs> I think I'm quite competitive. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's all I have for you today. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. This was lovely. Yeah, it really was. (laughs) All right. So the article states that women are under-enrolled in both recreational and performance sports research, and this parallels the under-representation of females or women in research across health and disease states. So the findings of sports science research in males don't address the same biological factors that are unique to females and impact our cardiovascular health, which is kind of messed up and kind of ties into the same idea I was talking about earlier with the crash test dummies solely being male test dummies. It does have an impact on the results from the experiment. And it's kind of baffling to me that the female physique isn't really being taken into consideration, especially when it comes to things like our health and safety when on the road, because we are a car-loving society. We rely on our automobiles more than any other form of transportation. Like, I wish that we relied more on public transportation, but maybe that will be in the future, who knows? The article also addresses that women have unique health considerations, including different metabolisms of medications, lower hemoglobin levels, and smaller cardiac volumes than males. Women are prone to iron deficiency anemia related to menstruation and pregnancy, which is another thing to take into consideration, and hormonal fluctuations during different stages of the menstrual cycle may influence training and physical performance in women. So there are several factors to consider when looking at 
just cardiovascular health or just physical health of a person based on their gender. It's those hormones, man. They're out to get us. They're not on our side. There is a little infographic in the article that I included in my notes that I will read some of the text from because I think it's important. So Basically, what ties it all together is the representation of female athletes in sports research, which we have discovered is very much lacking. So the representation of female athletes category in this infographic presents that among more than 12 million research participants in exercise science publications from 2014 to 2020, only 34% were female athletes. It should not be 34%. It should probably be 50 if that. Additionally, research in pregnant lactating women is limited to small observational studies, which does not provide enough sound evidence, such as an experimental or quasi-experimental study. The infographic also shows that there are gaps in current evidence. It states the effect of elite sports performance on postpartum physiology is currently unclear. Um, we are lacking evidence to guide exercise levels in peripartum women with CV conditions and recommendations for exercise intensity and duration to optimize maternal and fetal CV outcomes are conflicting because there is not enough research on this yet. It's very rare that studies will be done with pregnant women because they are so difficult and stressful to conduct for both the researcher and the participant. However, it's very necessary in order to learn more about the female body during pregnancy and before and after. The lack of research is really embarrassing, honestly, because I feel like we should, I should know just as much about my body as I do about a man's body. And in my sex ed classes, I learned more about a man's body than I did my own, which just made me feel not very confident in myself. So I definitely, I want to stress that we need more research done on women for all forms of studies, not just studies on pregnant women or pregnant people or people who have menstrual cycles. We need studies done on all forms of people and especially the studies that don't particularly pertain to women, we should include them so that we have better data and better research. It's also noteworthy um, to mention how short the article is due to the lack of research. Um, One of the last few paragraphs states that the critical gaps in knowledge pertaining to elite training in female athletes can only be closed by committing to transformative changes in the way that research is conducted. The systematic exclusion of pregnant and postpartum athletes and the underrepresentation of females in general must no longer be considered acceptable and efforts must be made at multiple levels to ensure that research participants are representative of the population in which findings apply. And I seriously agree with this statement. It's embarrassing that these studies are done with such little consideration for the female sex because it's doing them a disservice and it makes them feel left out. I also want to point out that in the second to last paragraph in the article, it states that the underrepresentation of women in research leadership positions may lead to lower prioritization of research questions specific to females and less emphasis on research representatives. And this point is so pressing and one that I really wanted to address in this episode. Because the exclusion of women in these studies is only going to cause us more harm than good. These prejudices against especially women of color in certain studies about 
menopause and pregnancies and menstruation only make it harder for us to do research on the general population as a whole. Before I move on to the next thing, I also want to point out that there are only 10 references for this article, and it is a scholarly article. It's an academic journal, but there are maybe only nine paragraphs in the whole journal, and it was published in December of 2021, which was not very long ago. But I thought it was important to bring up how the technical and the and the medical factors in sports impacts our health. Because again, there are a plethora of studies that are done on male athletes. There are not enough studies done on female athletes or female athletes who are either going through perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause. Um, pregnancy or otherwise. There's just not enough research on it, and it's something I feel very passionate about. So how does this lack of research tie into this episode about female athletes? Well, it kind of doesn't, but the fact that there isn't enough research on female athletes ties into the lack of representation that women feel in society all the time. Now we're going to move on to one of my other sources, Wikipedia, which I have previously mentioned is one of my favorites just because it's so easy to access and all of the information that you're looking for is usually right there at the top. And if you didn't find what you were looking for, you can always look at the work cited, if it's accurate, that is. So according to the Hood College Athletics Wikipedia page, Hood College Athletics began in 1898 with a first basketball team. In the early 1900s, field hockey, tennis, archery, and swimming were among the sports added to the athletics program. In 1984, Hood College became a member of the National Collegiate Athletic Association and joined the Division III Chesapeake Women's Athletic Conference. When the CWAC disbanded, Hood joined the Atlantic Women's College's Conference in 1990. In 2006, Hood joined the Capital Athletic Conference, also known as CAC. The men's teams began competition in the Capital Athletic Conference for the 2006-2007 academic year, along with women's cross-country and track and field. All other women's sports remained in the AWCC for the 2006-2007 year and moved to the CAC in 2007-2008. Hood joined the 17-member Middle Atlantic Conferences in July 2012. The nickname for Hood Athletics is the Blazers. This dates back to the 1920s when the campus elected a rising senior as the White Sweater Girl, as someone who possessed the most sportsmanship and school spirit. In 1928, the sweater was changed to a blazer, and the tradition continued through the mid-1900s. Today, the nickname is represented by a thoroughbred horse with a blaze mark on its forehead. How disappointing is that? (laughs) I don't mind that our mascot is a horse, but the fact that we're called blazers and the fact that it stems from a different tradition and not the mascot we're associated with is very confusing and so typical of a small liberal arts college. It is not even a joke. (laughs) So yeah, that's a little backstory on Hood College's history with sports and especially female sports considering we started as an all-women's college. So I think that is definitely something that's noteworthy. I also did a little bit of extra digging and I found the Hood College course catalog or the Hood magazine from 2004 to 2005, which featured um, a plethora of activities throughout the year, um, faculty members and students who who did pretty well in both their academics and sports. So I wanted to feature some of the pages that 
were in the history section of the catalog. So this article is called History of Foot Athletics. It is by Allison Walker and Bridget Harwood. They are graduates of 2006 from Hood College. The first caption says that Hood's athletic program has undergone many changes since its establishment more than 110 years ago as the Women's College of Frederick at Winchester Hall in downtown Frederick. So while this article is very outdated as it's from 2005, it does say, while women and men now have the option of playing 17 intercollegiate sports, Hood women in 1898 were only offered one sport basketball. Hood was the second country <laughs> Oh my god. Hood was the second college in the country to play field hockey thanks to Hood's first president, Joseph Henry Apple, who introduced the sport to the college after he brought hockey sticks back from abroad. In the 1920s, Hood offered swimming, baseball, changed to softball in the 60s, aesthetic dancing, hiking, track and horseback riding. Hood women boarded their horses in a bar on a parcel of land that is now the College Estates Shopping Center on 7th Street. Also in the 1920s, Hood's athletic associates, known as the AA, sponsored many campus events and activities, including what was then called track days, with running and throwing events. And I thought it was really cool, but this catalog also featured the history of our name, the Blazers. And I believe that whoever went on Wikipedia and added the history of Hood's athletics probably sourced it from this article. The blazer name dates back to 1921 when the first white sweater girl was named. All campus elections were held to choose the rising senior in good academic standing with the most college spirit and sportsmanship. The winner was awarded a white sweater embroidered with a blue H. The sweater award was changed to a white blazer or sports jacket in 1928. The AA also selected a group of H girls, the college's outstanding athletes who were given a winged H for being members of four teams or on one team for four years. That's a lot. Until the 1930s, Hood's athletic teams didn't compete against other colleges, as the teams were intramural, compromised of different classes or dorms. Classes played against each other in baseball and hockey. Freshmen competed against juniors and sophomores against seniors, with blue and gray teams in each class. So I think it's really interesting that up until the 30s, we really only competed against ourselves. That totally seems like a small school thing to do, honestly, and I kind of wish we still did it because, I mean, while our teams are, I love them, they're competing, you know, they're doing their best, they're not the best. <laughs> so maybe if we only went up against each other, um, I wouldn't feel so embarrassed going to these sports games and watching us compete. <laughs> That's so mean. So I skipped one page in the catalog to get to this part, because um, I think this is also important and very interesting. Until Title IX was passed, the PE staff coached Hood's sports teams because the college did not hire coaches for each sport. In 1978, the PE department hired a part-time coach, Sue Lingas, who served as athletic director from 1982 to 1992. In the early 1980s, Langanas saw that Hood women were influenced by men's sports at other colleges, which had daily practices and frequent games with opponents. Now see how the male teams were influencing the women's teams and how disorganized the women's teams were because no one gave them the time of day. <laughs> I'm mostly kidding, but it is kind of true. The women wanted this structure and level of competition. They were ready for a truly intercollegiate program. Lingus and the athletic directors from Gallaudet and Marymount universities contacted the coaches and athletic directors of their traditional competitor schools, and these schools formed an informal conference. 
first for field hockey and lacrosse, then expanding later to include tennis, volleyball, and swimming. Hood's athletic program continued to progress, and in 1984, Hood became a member of the NCAA, joining the Division III Chesapeake Women's Athletic Conference, which again, our Wikipedia article already mentioned because I believe that they just took it from this course catalog. And those are the only lengthy articles that I have for you guys today. I really do want to touch on the fact that Hood only really got its sports teams together when they looked at how other schools were doing in comparison. And the schools that they were looking at all already had male sports teams. So they kind of had the upper hand, but Hood College did get to look at these examples, learn from them, and apply them to both their male and female teams. Because again, originally, they only had female teams up until, what, like 2003? So all very interesting stuff, very cool history. Thank you for joining me on this very fun episode of Think Pink. I'm your host, Ellie Cooper, and I would like to thank you for listening. I would also like to thank our sponsors for helping produce this podcast and to my guests for joining me. I hope after this episode, you've learned more about yourself and a little bit about those around you. Again, this has been Think Pink. I'm Ellie Cooper, your host, and I hope to think pink with all of you next time. Bye-bye.